Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. I want us to go back to Nehemiah and dig a little bit deeper here tonight. And uh, let's take the Word of God and turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. And uh, I want to bring some things together, and I want to expand upon some things concerning this matter of taking a stand for God. What does it mean to truly take a stand for God? People mean well, people have their ideas about it, but what do we learn from the Scriptures concerning this matter of standing for the Lord? Remember Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 17, Nehemiah said unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Now think of this. He saw firsthand not only the need, but also realized immediately something had to be done. He saw the solution. He didn't dwell on the problem. And that's where a lot of people are today. They're cursing the darkness when God wants us to light a candle. What can be done about it? Something can be done. It must be addressed. As we think of this, we read in verse 18, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. This work that God has given us to do is a good work. Paul told Timothy, he said, fight the good fight of faith. This is a good task, a good cause that we're involved in. David said, is there not a cause? The cause of Christ the cause of God, His name, His glory, His honor, His will being accomplished. Is that not a worthy cause, a good task, a good work to involve your life in? Why, sure it is. And we need to be reminded of that. This is a good work because it's God's work. And if it's God's work, it's a big work in that regard, and it's also a blessed work. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. He will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem." I want you to think about this. It's amazing these principles that we can glean from Nehemiah and how God used him in this day. As the people of God were gathered back home, that remnant with a genuine heart for the Lord, the house of God had been rebuilt and now the walls were being rebuilt and the gates put back in place. They had such a mind to work, the Bible says, that the walls were finished in 52 days. It takes longer than that to get a permit in this time. 
Isn't that right? But they built the wall in 52 days. And they had a mind to work, a heart for God. They were not only ones who saw the need, but they were willing to do something about it. Faith without works is dead. He said, the only way I can see your faith is by your works. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're not saved by our good works, but we're saved unto good works. We're saved to serve, to give ourselves to God in faith and obedience to do His will. Now I want you to think about this, and I want you to write this down tonight to kind of bring it together. I trust in our understanding. Number one, to take a stand is to see the need. To take a stand is to see the need. Nehemiah, he heard about it back in chapter 1 and verse 3 of the great affliction and the reproach the people were in and that the wall was broken down and the gates were burned with fire and it touched his heart. He thought, I need to do something about this. He prayed and he asked God to show mercy and to give favor. And then when he got there, according to the good hand of God that was upon him, in chapter 2 and verse 8, the Bible says that he arose in the night in verse 12, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Now think about it, God put it in his heart. He thought something needs to be done and God has put it in my heart to come back here and to assess the need and to lead the people to address it, to fix it, to do something about it. The Bible says, if we'll commit our works unto the Lord, Proverbs 16, our thoughts will be established. You say, Lord, I want to do your will. Show me what you want. Put it in my heart, Lord. That's what that means. Your thoughts will be established. God will put it in your heart what he wants you to do. Remember, there was a time when he stood before the king here in chapter 2. And the king asked him, he said, for what dost thou make request in verse 4? So I prayed to the God of heaven. He was in continual communion with the Lord. Lord, show me what you want. Lord, show me what to say here. And so he told him his heart, what God had put in his heart. Do you see that? I ask you tonight, what is God putting your heart to do for him? What does God have for the heart of this church family that's made up of all of us? I know what God has put in my heart. I didn't seek a church to pastor. I, I didn't seek a job to do. I was serving the Lord there in my home church, working with the young people, doing that gladly, thinking I would be there the rest of my life. And as I sought the Lord, the Lord sought me. And God had a work for me to do in this place. And He put this in my heart. I've served these years from my heart. It's the Lord's work. It's not a job. It's a calling. It is God's will for my life. And I believe for the life and ministry of this local church for such a time as this. God has given us a great task, but He's given us a great door of opportunity that is presented before us. What are we going to do with it? Oh, we have to see the need. And, and there's a time when God puts it in our heart and there are those who see it before others see it. They see it by faith before it's realized by sight. Oh, if we'll walk close to the Lord, God will put in our heart what He has for us. I think about this. The time came when 
in verse 17, he stood before the remnant there and he said to them, ye see the distress that we are in, the adversity, the affliction, this hard place that we're in. And it's like, why, sure, we see it. He says, now let's do something about it. Can you imagine how long they had seen it? (laughs) But at no time was there anyone who would rise up from among them and say, hey, let's do something about it. Let's repair these walls. Let's restore the gates. They had seen it. But they had no one to rally them to do something about it. The Bible says in the book of Lamentations chapter 3 that my eye affects my heart. Oftentimes, the Bible says about Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, his heart was moved with compassion. You say, well, the way I get a burden for the need of this hour or for this city is to pray for one. No, it doesn't normally come just that way alone. I'll tell you how God gives you a burden. When you, by faith, take steps toward doing what God is putting in your heart, a realization, an understanding of a need that must be addressed, and when you see it more readily, even firsthand, it touches your heart. You want to get a burden for children in our city to even help in the bus ministry? I'll tell you how you'll get that burden is when you go out here and knock on their doors. And when you see them playing out in the front yard, or when you see the need that they have. See, my eye affects my heart. Sometimes we have not the realization within as we should that I don't have a burden for others as I ought because I'm just not moving among them. I'm not going to where the people are. And we lose sight of the need. Jesus said, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. They're already white in the harvest. It's time. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. God is looking for laborers, looking for servants. Oh, may the Lord help us to serve Him out of a heart of love and devotion. I think a lot of times our churches and uh, our people, they, they've served sometimes and, and ministries and pastors have, have felt like, well, you've got to kind of guilt people into serving God, even shame them, and, and you've got to somehow get them to serve the Lord. I don't believe that. I believe if we lift up Jesus Christ and you see him through eyes of faith for who he really is, if you know him, how can you help but serve him? If you spend time with him each week in prayer and reading his word, how can you help but tell people of the things you've both seen and heard, what God has done in your life? Oh, it's something that comes from the heart. Oh, may God help us. Number one, to take a stand is to see the need. Number two, to take a stand is to take action. To take a stand is to take action. We can see it, we can talk about it all we want, but the time comes when we must roll up our sleeves and do something about it. we got to take action. He says here, Then I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me. I hope you got those points from this morning. See it, say it, and then secure it. You have to see it through faith, and then God puts it right before you, 
And then you have to say it. Here's the need. Here's what's going to be done about it. And then you actually put your hand to the plow and you secure it. You get it done. They had a mind to work. So the wall was finished 52 days. Wow. He said, I told him, God is with us. God's hand is upon my life. He's given me favor. It's amazing how God has providentially guided me back home to you. The doors he's opened up, the provisions he's made, the hedge he's provided. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. They got ready to go. Let me ask you, are you strengthening your hands to serve the Lord? Are you being trained, discipled, your faith developed? Are you studying God's Word? Are you willing to take advantage of an opportunity to deepen your walk with the Lord, your understanding of His Word? Oftentimes we want to lead, but God wants us to learn to follow. And if we can't follow, we'll never have the opportunity to lead. It's not about being out in front of people. It's about being in the prayer closet, the secret place with the Lord. When Jesus called his disciples, the Bible says he called them unto himself that they might be with him. Our call to service is first a call to Jesus Christ. And as we spend time with him in prayer and reading his word, as he helps us develop his mind and understanding and puts in our heart what he wants us to do, then we serve God with the overflow of our walk with Jesus Christ. It's something that just comes out of our heart. It's not forced. We're not guilted into it. We're not shamed. Oh, you shouldn't be doing this or the other. No, we do it gladly from our hearts. We love the one who first loved us, and we give him our heart and our all. It's something we gladly do from within. To take a stand is to see the need. To take a stand is to take action. May our walk be louder than our talk. It's one thing to talk it. That has its place. It's one thing to discuss it. That has its place. It's even another thing to debate it. And that has its place. There's a time to be more vocal and more out front of a need or an issue that has its place. We have to be careful that we don't get off track of what ultimately the task demands. Do you remember later on as they were building the wall, these enemies of the Lord tried to get Nehemiah to come down off that wall and to just spend some time talking with them, dialoguing with them, you can see that in uh, chapter 6. And uh, verse 2, these enemies of the Lord came to him, and it says, Let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. Underline that. They were plotting against them. It's like, let's dialogue, let's talk. Again, there's a time to talk about things. There's a time to debate things. There's a time to be more vocal about things. There is a time for that. But be careful, because sometimes people are just trying to get you off base. You know what? All that they were doing, he says in verse 3, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? That's the bottom line. Verse 9 says, 
For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work that it be not done. That's the goal of the enemies of the Lord. To stop the work, to get us distracted, to get us to feel like we're just talking the talk and that's all that is needed. And we can talk and we can declare our conviction, our stand, and we think that, hey, I've said what I believe and I'm standing fast. Well, that's wonderful. I'll tell you, you can't stop there. If you're not careful, you'll be distracted by people who have ulterior motives and other designs. They said, come down here in the plain of oh no, and as someone said, Nehemiah said to them, oh no, I'm not coming down, I'm not stopping the work, because we're trying to get this thing done. While you want to talk, we want to work. While you want to dialogue and debate, ultimately, isn't it true that many things, that's the goal of some people, to just simply talk about them so that nothing ever is done? Kick the can down the road a little bit more. Another generation, another time. Let others deal with it. Let others take the heat. But we're not going to take the heat. We'll just talk about it. We'll tell everybody what we think and what we're going to do. But we never do it. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds like the day in which we live. There's a lot of people who will tell us a lot of things. And ask us to give them opportunities that they never do anything with. God help us and forgive us of being such people of inaction. Distraction. You know, some people are glad to be distracted, I've learned. I had a professor in Bible college, we learned how he liked to be distracted. And we use that to our advantage. I loved it then, I regret it now. It's a very important subject. But we learned. Ask a few leading questions and we might not even have to take the test that day. Or the next. Or at all. Some were glad to be distracted. And I found out when you come to class unprepared, you're glad for people to feel like everything's okay because we talked about a secondary issue the whole time. Are you listening to me? There's some people, that's their mode. That's how they roll. Just will talk and talk and talk and talk. I don't want to be held back by those. I don't want to be, like I said, there's a time to talk. There's a time to discuss. There's a time to consider. There's a time to plan. There's a time to debate. All of that has its place. I believe sometimes that our great need is to have the freedom and the respect of one another that we can talk candidly, directly to one another, open, honest, yet respectful, and say, but what about this? And and what about the other? I think our young people need to know they can ask us the hard questions. They can come to us and they say, well, I'm thinking about, why would you think that way? You know that's not right. 
You know that's a sin. I, I, would, I wouldn't even want to think that I had someone who was thinking like that in my home. God, forgive parents who are so threatened and intimidated by an honest question. If we've got the truth, we can answer whatever questions they bring our way. Isn't that right? We're trying to teach them to be critical thinkers, to think for themselves, to stand on their own two feet, to see things for what they really are, not to be shallow or surface in their life, so simple-minded, just always wrangling with people and, and tangling with people and trying to just disregard or disrespect people. If I can shout over you and shout you down and push you back, see, I've won. What have you won? I showed you. Showed them what? That you like to argue? That you like to debate? That you like to make people look bad so you can make yourself look good? Is, is that really it? Someone said it this way. Don't ever fight a battle where there's nothing won by the victory. And that's where some people are. They win, but What? They'll really win anything. It's just that I put someone in their place. I got them to be quiet and to accept the fact that I was right and they were wrong. What have you accomplished? Really nothing. And you know, by the way, most of those discussions are among ourselves. Isn't that amazing? There's a whole world out here with questions about who God is and is the Bible true and about vital issues in our day. Don't you think this generation of young people need to be taught and equipped how to answer those questions? For themselves first, as well as for others. We're not threatened by honest questions. We're not threatened by those who have doubts. Someone has said, an honest doubter will not remain a doubter. If you really want to know the truth, God will make the truth known to you. Walk in the light God gives you, and he'll give you more light. That's what God does. That's how he works. To take a stand is to see the need. To take a stand is to take action. But back in our text in Nehemiah chapter 2, notice this. These men rose up against them, these leaders of these others, the Samaritans, the Ammonites. The Bible says... When they heard it, they despised us and laughed us to scorn. Remember, they'd already done that back in chapter 1. Same response. It grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. There are always going to be the adversaries of the Lord and His people and His work. Nehemiah was not threatened. He was not intimidated by them. They even said, hey, you're rebelling against the king. We're going to tell on you. We're going to get you in trouble. We're going to make it hard for you. There are always going to be people with that kind of heart and mind. Let's not be intimidated. Let's not be threatened. I want to tell you, there's a God in heaven who's looking for those whose hearts are upright toward him, willing to take a stand in this day. And when it's time to engage, to engage, to stand fast, to declare our dependence, our faith in God, and our trust in Him. And that's what Nehemiah did. He said, the God of heaven, He will prosper us. We've got all we need on our side. 
You and God are a majority. And if God be for us, who can be against us? What does it matter who's against us and who will prevail? Dr. Lee Robertson said, if God's your partner, make your plans big. Isn't that wonderful? Make your plans big. Oh, for a generation of preachers who believed God, who loved God, who walked with God, who prayed with those with a heart of service to God and others because of a genuine love for the Lord. God, give us that in this day of this pseudo-Christianity, this facade, this form of godliness, this cultural Christianity, this appearance of righteousness, yet denying the power thereof, the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. May God help us. I'll tell you, lastly tonight, to take action is to face opposition. Opposition will come, but we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We can't be threatened, intimidated by that. In fact, we've got to look for that, expect that, and even embrace that when it comes. I don't like to fight. I'm not looking for a fight, but I'm not afraid to stand fast. Are you? I don't want to be someone who's just all talk. I'm not someone who's trying to just go on about things, not just a bunch of words. I want to be someone of action. And I only want to speak when I must speak. Because that's what Nehemiah teaches us. He said, there's a time when I did what God had given me to do. According to verse 12, he said, Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. You know, if you go into battle, do you go into battle telling the opposition, the enemy, exactly what you're going to do? Would that be a good leader, a strategist, someone who says, listen, now tomorrow we're going to attack you uh, from the east, and then we're going to come around, and uh, we're going to hit you from the south, and then we're going to... Who would do that, right? A wise leader would just simply remain quiet and would put things in place. And then all of a sudden people say, whoa, we weren't expecting that. Whoa, where did that come from? That's what a good leader does. See, we've got it backwards today. We think that leadership is just talk, talk, talk. And people rally around the simple the provocative, those who are just so, oh, I'm going to get in your face, and boy, I'm going to take my stand for God. I, I don't know. I've been preaching for a long time, 41 years. I love preachers, but I'll tell you what, sometimes I get sick of preachers. I get sick of this talk. That's all it is. And it's like, yeah, let's stir everything up. Let's pit people against each other. Let's get a big following. Let's talk about how we're going to take our stand. And all we're looking for is people to support a life that we've chosen that oftentimes, if you know the truth, doesn't honor the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not interested in that. But people are. 
you know, who's the loudest? Who's taking the stand that we all need to get behind? And I say this, people are desperate for leadership. And we need strong leadership, but we need wise, godly leadership. People have a heart for God who have discernment when to speak, when not, when to act and how to act. Because there will always be opposition and you cannot unknowingly play into someone's hand and like that, make it about nothing but dialogue now and trying to shout over another when there's really a work that must be done. Isn't that right? Jesus appeared weak when he stood before his accusers. Silent. He was saying through his silence, all right, what you got? Tell you what we're going to do. We're going we're to kill you. We're going to crucify you. Okay. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Crucify him. That's what we're going to do to you. Okay. On the third day, just so you know, I'm going to demonstrate to you and the whole world that even death can defeat me. You understand? You see, the world, it seems, and sometimes Christendom, religious people, and so-called leaders get caught up in all this taking a stand. But they're not taking a stand. They're just rattling off. And I'll tell you, I respect those who oftentimes just daily before God Almighty do what's right. They take their stand and they are people of action and they address the need and they are fully prepared for when the enemy rises up to stand fast still and to declare what is right and their absolute dependence upon the Lord. That's where I want to be, don't you? I don't want to just be caught up in some personality. I want to be caught up in someone's movement. I want to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to honor the Lord. Have you ever been to some of these uh, big seminars, like they bring these big speakers in, motivational speeches. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there? Maybe your company sent you there. I've been to those places. And they have these people come up and they talk about 10 minutes and then for the next 45 minutes they try to sell you their book and they dismiss you so you can go get a copy of the book and then come back and then the next speaker comes and speaks briefly and then there's another book you can go purchase. How many of you know what I'm talking about there? Isn't it amazing? If we're not careful, that's what we've become. It's all about a following. It's all about how many followers or even likes you can get. God help us. If Jesus were here today, I don't think he'd have a big following on social media. If he did, there'd be times when they'd, they would unfriend him and follow him no more. Isn't that right? Jesus is the anti of what we have come to embrace in so many of our lives or our churches. There was a strength under control. 
And it was not just, hey, follow me because I have a stronger personality. I'm able to put people in their place better than others. Oh, I'll tell you what. There's oftentimes so much more lost in that dynamic than there is one. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And I want to tell you, if you have the truth of God, you can stand and face any adversary or obstacle that comes your way. Because the Bible says, the truth shall make you what? Free. You stand for the truth. There's a God in heaven in that regard who will stand with you and for you and honor your life. To take a stand is to see the need. To take a stand is to take action. To take a stand and to take action is to face opposition. One writer said it this way, I'd rather fail at something that will ultimately succeed than succeed at something that will ultimately fail. Men and personalities will rise and fall. They'll come and go. But those of principle, those of truth. The Bible says, He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Give your life to that which never dies. Stand fast. Don't make it about you. Don't make it about how you can show yourself to be wiser, smarter, more equipped, stronger even than everyone else. It's not about you and someone else. It's about the truth, what's right. And God is looking for those who will have this understanding. And they'll be willing to see the need, take action. And when opposition comes, they'll stand fast. And they'll not be intimidated because it will come. But I want to see the Lord move us forward in this place in this day. Don't you? Move our city forward. Let's be careful that we don't get caught up in and distracted by so much volume that we fail to listen to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.